Hey, good morning, church. Good to have everybody here. Good morning, Zeb. And I want to say good morning out to our Stone Canyon campus, everybody online with us. If you're here at North Garnett, would you welcome them into our time here today? All right. Hey, I love the uh, camp video, Camp Saokamo. It just has a special place in my heart. I know both campuses just got to watch that. And I loved the image of Zeb baptizing in a cape. Did you notice that? He had a cape on. I want the story on that. Anyway, but uh, God did some great stuff at uh, Saokamo. We have one week left. Our fourth, fifth graders are still going here uh, next week, so be praying for them. And, uh, of course, Youth Quake's coming up. Be praying about those things. God's doing some great stuff in the hearts and lives of our students this summer, so it's good, good, good stuff. Um, hey, last week we started into a new series called Uncommon. Hopefully you were here, with, here for that as we uh, launched into that, talking about our uncommon life, looked at the prophet Joel, and uh, just explored uh, what we're called to in this uncommon life, to be different in this world. And really, for, through the next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking more of what this uncommon life looks like, all right? And so today we're going to be uh, talking about our uncommon faith. Uncommon faith, this faith that we're called to, to trust in God no matter what we face in this life, to remain faithful to Him, to, to continue to trust in Him. And so we're going to be looking at the prophet Habakkuk today. Habakkuk. <laughs> now that one's kind of a hard one to spell, okay? This morning, Jennifer McCutcheon, if you know Jennifer, this will make total sense, but she, she helped me to remember how to spell Habakkuk. Not that I was having an issue with it, but she just thought it would be helpful to me. And so, um, but maybe this will help you in spelling Habakkuk. But it goes something like this. It's an H with an A with a B with an A with a K with a K with a U with a K. Did you get that? All right. Well, I hope you did. I'm not doing it again. All right. Um, anyway, that's, uh, thank you, Jennifer, for that. <laughs> But uh, anyway, get there, get to Habakkuk, that's where we're going to be spending our time at today, all right? You can use the index again, it's a little bitty book, three chapters, we'll be spending our time there. You know, we just sang a song, uh, How Good Our God Is. Sometimes we quite honestly question that, don't we? We look at the, around the world, we see the evil in the world, and we kind of, sometimes, uh, people in this world, and sometimes even us, followers of Christ, might step back and go, okay, God, what's going on? Bob Goff, in his most recent book, Everybody Always, which I highly recommend, it's a great book. Uh, I'm uh, still getting through that. But he, he shares uh, a number of stories in there, and, and one particular story just is, um, it, it kind of rocks you. It's about a little eight-year-old boy in Uganda, and uh, this little eight-year-old boy was abducted by a witch doctor. 
Now, in the story, he tells a little bit about the background of Uganda. One of the things he says about Uganda, um, which he, Bob Goff, if you know very much about his story, you know that he is a, a, he, he's actually a, a kind of an ambassador to Uganda, and, uh, and so he has a lot of uh, uh, ties there. He's a, an attorney, and, and so he gives a little background of, of the nation of Uganda. One of the things that he says is that close to 1,000 children a year are abducted by witch doctors in Uganda today. All right, this, this wasn't like back hundreds of years ago. No, today, close to a thousand children a year are abducted by witch doctors. One might ask, well, why? And he does. He unpacks that. And he says, well, they're, they're witch doctors there in that culture. They believe that little children who are supposed to still be perfect. Um, their heads, their blood, and their privates are magical. And so they abduct these children and they do horrific things to them and they always, almost always, die. And you hear a story like that and you go, what? Today? That still happens today? And you hear about that kind of evil, and, and you just wonder, God, why do you let this still happen today? Now, Bob Goff, whenever he tells that story, he, he immediately, when he found out about this eight-year-old boy who was abducted, and then found out he survived, immediately he got in a plane, flew from California to Uganda to go and help this little boy, and to be able to hopefully take this witch doctor to trial. But he said when he met that witch doctor for the very, very first time, he looked this man in the face and he said never before had he felt so much like he was in the presence of evil. He was staring evil in the face. I don't know if you've been there before, if you've had a, a, an encounter like that before, or maybe you've just been in a place before where you felt evil, where it just felt like evil was pressing in on you, like almost a, a fog enveloping everything around you. I, I don't know if you've been to a place like that. I have. I've, I've been in, in, in places, I remember a time in New Orleans where, where we just came onto this block one time during a missions trip, and we were just kind of just checking out the city at one point, and we, I, I just walked onto the street and just thought, just felt the oppression in that area. I thought, wow, there's, there's evil here. I don't know if you've experienced that. I don't know if you've, you could echo those words of Bob. I've stared evil in the face. How do we as followers of Jesus hold on to our faith when we're in the midst of such evil? When we witness things like this, we hear stories like this, because I know that, that we could get up here and I, I could get up here and I could tell more stories. I could tell you more headlines right out of the news that you would characterize as evil. Some of you could get up here and you could tell stories of personal experiences in your life where you, you stared evil in the face. You felt the pain of the evil of this world personally in your life, either physically or emotionally. And we might ask that question, how do, we, how do we remain faithful 
We might ask that question, and many do. Can we, can we put our faith in a God who allows so much evil? Can we put our faith in a God who allows so much evil? Many people ask that question, and many people don't put their faith in God because of that question. A lot of atheists, agnostics, if you hear their stories, they'll talk about a time when they faced that question head on and the end result of that, they came to an answer to where they just said, no, I can't. I can't put my faith in a God who's supposed to be all-knowing and all-loving, but yet he allows so much evil, I can't put my faith in a God like that. So it's one thing for us to come in here and sing neat, neat little songs, nice little songs about our good, good Father. He's gonna, so good. He's always good to us. Do we really feel that way? Do you really feel that way all the time? Habakkuk, let's go to the prophet Habakkuk. He's in a time where, quite honestly, he doesn't feel like that. He's, he's facing a time in his life and in his nation, the na God's people, the nation of Judah, he's facing a time where he's watching the evil, he's watching the corruption, he's watching the violence, he's seeing all these things happening within his nation as well as internationally as other nations are doing just horrific things to one another. He's watching all of this and he cries out to God, where are you, God? Because this, this isn't right. It's believed that, uh, just a little bit of context here about Habakkuk, um, it's believed that he wrote this around 609 to 606 B.C., somewhere in that time. Uh, it's a time of, uh, within the nation of Israel where uh, they had the king Jehoiakim, okay, maybe you remember that name from somewhere, and, uh, and if you remember, there were good kings and there were bad kings, and he was a bad king, all right? Je Jehoiakim, whenever he was placed in, uh, into power, uh, he, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He, he led God's people towards evil, and there was so much, there was much corruption in, in the nation uh, of Judah, God's people, and, and on top of that, this is a time where Babylon, this evil nation, we're going to hear a little bit more about that, Babylon is on the rise. They're taking over other nations in, in battles and warfare, doing horrific things. And I, there's just fear uh, all along around the land because Babylon is getting more and more powerful and they're doing more and more horrific things to the nations that they, they conquer. And, and so this is the, the atmosphere that Habakkuk is, is writing to. And, and now, uh, another interesting thing about Habakkuk, kind of like Joel last week, okay, remember when we talked about Joel, we don't know a lot about him, we don't know a whole lot about Habakkuk either. Uh, we know that his name means embrace, and so some speculate maybe, maybe the message behind just his name and his, uh, the words that he says is, is, hey, no matter what, let's embrace God, let's be close to God, maybe, maybe there's a uh, connection there that we can make. But Habakkuk, another interesting thing about the words that we're going to read in Habakkuk is they are not words to the nation. This is not a call to God's people. This is more of 
just the words of Habakkuk as he writes them down, these words that he cries out to God. Really, the best description I, can, I think I can give it here is, is when we look at Habakkuk, we get to, to look at his diary. We get to look at some of his personal words, his personal yearnings as he, as he deals with what he's, what he's experiencing in, in the world and as he's trying to understand God and what God is doing. And so we're going to walk through, I think, three pages of Habakkuk's diary today and see how he deals with this culture of evil that he finds himself in. So let's go to page one of his diary where we find Habakkuk crying out to God. Habakkuk 1, let's go to verse 2 there and following. It says this, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Or cry to you violence. And you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous so justice goes forth perverted. Do you hear the anguish? God, I'm crying out and you're not listening. God, I'm crying out. I, I'm, God, I'm seeing all of this stuff, the violence, the corruption. I'm seeing all of the, the evil. And you, you're not doing anything. You're not punishing the evil. There's no justice. And what justice is going out, it's perverted. It's It's corrupt. People in power are abusing their power. God, why aren't you doing anything about it? I keep crying out to you, God, but it seems like you're not listening. You ever been there? Have you ever asked why? God, why? Why this? Why this way? Why, why not? Why aren't you doing Have Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there. Probably, truth be told, we've all been there at some point. God, why? You go on in his diary, and the next thing we find is he writes down God's response to him. Being a prophet of God, he gets to hear from God, and God responds to his cries, his uh, heartfelt pleas to him. Look at verse 5. God to Habakkuk says this, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. Remember, Habakkuk just got through saying, God, I see all the iniquities. Now God's saying, no, no, no. Now I want you to open up your eyes and I want you to see something else. Look among the nations. See, wonder, and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Look, Habakkuk, look, open your eyes to what I'm doing because you're missing it. Because I am doing work. It just doesn't look like you think it should. It's not what you would expect. And I, he says, and if I tell you about it, you're not going to believe me. <laughs> it's a little crazy. But God goes ahead, goes ahead and tells him what he's doing, the work that he's doing. Look at verse 6. For behold... 
I'm raising up the Chaldeans. That's another word for the Babylonians. I'm raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. That bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. He's just given this description of how they were. They, verse 7, they are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horses Horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They, they all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on guilty men whose own might is their God. Very interesting, he begins by saying, I am raising up the Chaldeans. I'm raising up the Babylonian nation, this evil nation. And then he describes how evil and horrific they are. He says, I'm raising them up. God, God says, I'm raising them up. I'm going to use them. I'm using this evil nation to bring justice, to bring judgment against those who've been evil. Those who've gone against me. God was employing this pagan nation who is described as being a nation whose own might is their God. Their God is not God, the God one and only true God. Their God is their own might, their own strength. They are very proud. They're very puffed up, as he's going to describe later. That's who they are. And God is using them for his own purpose to do his work, to bring justice. And so he says, Habakkuk, open up your eyes. I've got a plan. It's right in front of you, but you're missing it because it doesn't line up with your pre preconceived ideas of what should be done, how this should be handled. Oh, if you were God, Habakkuk, I know you'd do things different, but let me tell you how I'm doing it. I believe God is at work in this world, and he is at work in our lives, even when it doesn't seem like it even when it doesn't make sense. How often do we miss the working of God in our lives and in the world around us because it doesn't line up with the way we think it ought to be, do uh, way it ought to be done? Oh, if I was God, I would do things a little bit different. <laughs> this place would be a lot worse off, wouldn't it, if we were God? Amen. He knows what he's doing, and he is at work, and we can trust in that. Habakkuk cries out again, he, he cries out, God reveals his plan, but now Habakkuk doesn't like the plan, really. <laughs> and so he cries out again, page two of his diary. Let's read about his second cry to God, look at verse 12 there in Habakkuk 1. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment, and you, a rock, have established them for reproof. You who are, who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? 
Habakkuk seems to be, in this second cry to God, be going, saying, aren't you God? (laughs) This plan you just told me, this just doesn't line up. Aren't you God? Aren't you the everlasting one? Like you're supposed to be above all things and have a different perspective than the rest of us, a greater perspective. Aren't you that everlasting God? Aren't you uh, my God, my holy one? He personalizes it here. You're my God. This isn't the way my God ought to be acting. What? Aren't you just? There's no justice here, God. Aren't you the rock that we talk about, that refuge that we can run to and be there for us? I don't feel like you're there for us right now, God. You're sending the Babylonians. Aren't you pure, so pure that you can't even look on evil, but yet now you're saying that you're using evil to bring justice? That just doesn't work, God. I don't, I don't understand this. How are you allowing this evil and even using this evil nation for your plan, for your purpose? It's not the answer I was looking for, God. What you described, God, doesn't seem to fit with your character. And what I know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm missing something. Using the evil nation Babylon was something that he couldn't fathom. He comes to the end there, where verse 13, where he says there, you remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. He says, God, we're better than the Babylonians. Your people, even though we're sinful right now, and I know some of us have turned to other gods and we're worshiping other gods right now, I get that. But we're still better than them. How are you using them to come against us? You read some of the more verses, it kind of highlights how Israel had become more wicked and how the Babylonians are even more wicked than them. Habakkuk just couldn't wrap his, wrap his mind around this plan that God had. Sometimes, oftentimes, the heavenly plans of God don't always make sense from our worldly perspective, do they? We've, we've, we've been where Habakkuk is. We have, right? You, you've prayed those prayers, right? And they didn't turn out the way you, you thought they would, right? You, you've been there. We, we pray and the wrong person gets elected. Just had an election last week. I'm sure somebody that resonates with. We cry out and we don't get the job. We, we pray and our, our child still won't come to Christ and follow Him or keeps going the direction they're going. We, we plead with God. We plead with Him and that person we love so dearly still dies. We pray and we pray and the physical pain within us or the emotional burden within us just doesn't go away. And sometimes we're left turning back to God and saying, God, it doesn't make sense. I keep crying, I keep praying, and it doesn't make sense. That seems to be where Habakkuk is at. Maybe you are too. Or maybe you can think of a time when you were. And so, again, Habakkuk cries out that time, and now, once again, God responds to Habakkuk. Look at verses 2 through 3 in Habakkuk chapter 2. says this, And the Lord answered me, 
Write the vision. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to write this down, Habakkuk. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Oh, God's going to lay it down right here. Verse 3, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. It's going to happen. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will, do not, it will not delay. Write this down. Justice is coming. It's coming. Just wait for it, Habakkuk. I love that. Just wait for it. Look at verse 4. Behold, his soul is puffed up. He's starting to talk about Babylon again. God here saying his soul, the Babylonians, they're puffed up. They're filled with pride. They're their own God. Remember that. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. It says, but my people, those who follow me, will remain faithful. They live by faith. This is a very important verse, maybe the key verse in this whole text. Paul quotes this twice in the New Testament because it's so important that his people, those who follow God and follow Jesus, we live by that faith. We, faith, we stand upon our faith. And so God says, trust me, Habakkuk. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Let me tell you what's going to happen next. I told you the first part of the plan. Let me tell you the second part of the plan. And it might, it might make a little bit more sense. And then you go into verses 5 through 20. We don't have time to go through every one of them. But you have five woes that come upon Babylon. Five woes, like, whoa, that's bad. All right, those, those types of woes. God's, God's going to unleash it upon Babylon, and they will face their own judgment. He says, hey, right now it seems like they're taking everything, and they are. They are taking nation after nation. He says, but what they have taken will be taken back. Justice is coming. Right now it seems like they're building a great nation through evil means, but what they have built by evil will turn against them Justice is coming. Right now, it seems like they are thumbing their nose at me, at God, but there will come a time when they will not be able to escape the terrible glory of God. Justice is coming. Right now, it seems like they're getting away with all kinds of evil, but one day, their shameful behavior will be made known, laid bare for everybody to see. Justice is coming. Right now, they bow to worthless idols. But the time will come when they will be left speechless before God, he says. Justice is coming. And you come to verse 20 there in Habakkuk 2, and it says this, But the Lord is, is in his holy throne. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Babylon worships worthless gods, but I'm God. And I'm still on my throne. I'm still the one that deserves all glory, all honor. Don't forget that, Habakkuk. My plan is still in place. May not be happening as fast as you want it to, but just wait for it. Don't lose faith. That's what I hear him telling Habakkuk. Maybe that's what he's saying to you today. Well, that's page one, page two of the diary. Let's go to page three. 
And as you read chapter 3 of Habakkuk, it seems that Habakkuk's faith has been restored as we come into a section that some call Habakkuk's prayer of praise. His eyes are once again lifted up to the power of God because of the stories of the past. And he talks about the stories that have been passed down to him. Look at verse 2 of Habakkuk 3. It says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. I've heard the stories. I've heard, my, my dad told me the stories. My grandpa told me the stories. I've heard the stories. And you read the next part of that section there, and he, he's alluding back to the Exodus whenever God led his people out of Egypt and God enacted his judgment upon the other nations, upon Egypt starting with, and as well as others that they would come into, into battle with. He says, I, I've heard your stories. I've heard your, how you've brought justice. I've heard of your might. I've heard of your strength. Oh, Lord. Oh, oh, keep going in verse 2. I've heard it all. Oh, Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. Do it again, God. Do it again. In the midst of the years, make it known. And then he ends with this. In wrath, remember mercy. I'm fearful because I know that you are a God of justice and a God of wrath. And you, you, I know you're going to come, God. By the way, when you're dealing with us people, can you just make sure you're merciful? Just be merciful upon us. Remember to be merciful, God. Our God is a merciful, graceful God. And He's got a plan. And we can trust Him in that. Keep going. Skip all. Let's, let's go all the way to verse 17 through 18. At the end of his prayer here, um, Habakkuk's faith is all restored, and he, he ends with just this time of rejoicing over God's plan. Look at verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. All, that all, verse 17 is all about God's judgment. Uh, though, that's gonna go, though God's judgment's coming, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. We're, we're, we're going to be struggling. I get it. Though all these things are going to happen. Look at verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, I get it. I get it. Justice is coming. You, you've made it clear to me. And I know I'm just going to wait. And I know in this waiting time, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going uh, to be unbearable even at times. But God, you are my God of salvation. You will see me through. And I trust you in that. What an example of faith for us today. That's an uncommon faith. I'll press on no matter how hard, how tough it gets. Look at verse 19. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, and He makes me tread on my high places. Back to saying my strength is restored, my foundation is back underneath me like, a, like the deer of a feet who just seemed to prance and look so beautiful. Man, my feet, I'm back. I, I, I'm standing secure upon you, my God, my strength. I'm, I'm trusting in you again. I know that you're good. I know that the end result is going to be good. And so I'll handle the misery. I'll, misery. I'll handle your judgment. I'll, I, I get it, God. I'll, I'll press on. I'll, I'll be your prophet. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll press on because I know the end result is that you're bringing salvation to me 
and your people. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you at all. Over in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2, gives us a description of our Savior, Jesus, whenever he says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. When we talk about an uncommon faith, we look at Jesus. He's the perfecter of it. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew the plan. Like Habakkuk, he knew that there was salvation coming. And he said, right now, the cross is before me. This horrific instrument of evil. But I will press on through the judgment that's to come. When all the sin of the world is on his shoulders, yours and mine, he says, but for the joy set before me, because I know salvation will come to the cross, I will press on. And Jesus remained faithful. And those stories, those scenes, uh, to me, just seem to be parallel. Habakkuk and what he's dealing with and what Jesus went through on the cross. And the calls to remain faithful even when life doesn't make sense. Trusting that our God has a plan and He'll be faithful to the end. Ravi Zacharias is an uh, apologist, Christian apologist, um, and he had an opportunity to speak to the United Nations, to the ambas all the ambassadors of the United Nations uh, not long ago. And in that message that he shared, he I just want to share this quote that he, he had. He says, When you can see horror and grace put together, and you have to believe that the people of the United Nations know and see horror around this world. He says, When you see horror and grace put together, you realize there is no place, humanly speaking, where we can find an absolute way to understand these things. Humanly, in our worldliness, we don't see horror and grace come together. They see, di seem diametrically opposed, he says. Only on the cross of Jesus Christ, he says, do love, justice, evil, and forgiveness converge. Evil in the heart of man, shown in the crucifixion. Love in the heart of God, who gave His Son. Forgiveness, because of the grace of Christ and justice because of the law of God revealed. Love, justice, evil, and forgiveness all converge at the cross of Jesus. My, my challenge today, and I think maybe Habakkuk's challenge to us, when we find ourselves in, in a similar place, crying out to God, God, I just don't get it. This doesn't line up with my plan. This isn't the way it ought to be. Let's lift our eyes back to the cross where Jesus, the Son of God, was hung for you and for me. It's not the way it should have been. It's not how it should have happened. 
But because of God and his great love and grace, he allowed it to happen for our salvation. And if God is willing to go to the cross for you and me, we can have faith that he will see us through anything else in this life. We just got to have faith in him. Can we put our faith in a God who allows so much evil? Well, I think Habakkuk was able to come back to that, and he was able to do that. Jesus, we looked at his example, and he was able to do that. How about you? When evil presses in, we, followers of Jesus, we find our hope in the cross of Jesus. Trust in God. Even when life doesn't make sense, trust in him. Have an uncommon faith. Father in heaven, that's what we pray for. God, we just want to have a faith in you. Help us to hold on to you. Help us to trust in you. God, you, you have a much better vantage point of this world than we do. We see through such a limited view from our humanness. And so God, help us just to trust in you. God, I know there's some, even right now, who are wrestling with circumstances and challenges that have come in this life, hurts and burdens that just weigh on them right now. And God, I pray that right now, all of us can lift our eyes back to the cross, to be reminded of your love, to be reminded of your great and perfect plan. And God, even if we find ourselves now in the midst of hurt and anguish, God, help us just to wait for it. And just wait on you. Knowing your timing is best. Your plan is best. God, we love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.